Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. John 6, verse 51. I love bread. I'd say it's one of my staple foods, that and salads. In England, we had the best crusty baguettes. They can be bought fresh from the oven, aromatic, hot and yeasty. They can be frozen to be used later as a picnic sandwich, just as fresh as the day they were bought. Jesus isn't talking about this kind of bread, though he knows how important it is to life. Jesus is talking about bread as living. He is that living bread that will sustain me, you, everyone, forever, as long as we put all our faith in him. In a world where we like to feel in charge, surrendering is one of the hardest things I'm asked to do by God. I have no idea if I completely surrender. I say I do sometimes, but in the back of my mind, I still hear that doubtful voice saying, what if, and maybe I should do it this way, or let me just worry a little bit more. There are no what ifs or worrying when God takes charge. There shouldn't be anyway. When we eat the living bread, when we totally commit ourselves to Christ, when we trust that our divine creator has it all under control, then we will live forever will be happier, healthier, and much better company. The next time you take a bite of bread, remember Jesus and give yourself up to him once again. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. The children are all grown now, but we all know once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derived directly from their exposure during their formative years to our stellar methods of parenting. My cowboy and I are living alone together in merry old England for the moment, getting used to this thing called empty nest. I find God in the quiet of our flat, that reassuring whisper telling me he's with me. The crosses on the walls help, as does the Christ icon on my desk that presides over my days and evenings. Our lives seem very humdrum at the moment, but that's all going to change soon, so I may as well enjoy it. Most of those who know us say nothing we do is ever that mundane anyway. We're selling a property here in London and finally had an offer, which means the next few weeks I'll be writing to my solicitor and getting things moving. Everything takes so long here. Each week, I invite someone to join me during this hour and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Except today, I'm talking to my daughter Malia, who puts her parents above her highest joy. But more on that later. First off, though, I'm going to touch touch base on rules and endless endless activities when I was growing up. My blue-eyed cowboys run in with British bureaucracy 
and the days are beginning to shorten. I'm drinking a mug of PG tips again because it's still cold and nasty. I've had a tiny Bakewell's tart to satisfy my sweet tooth. I wish you were here with me, but at least you can listen to me as I spout on at you while you sit comfortably. Let's begin, shall we? As you know, all the children and myself are dual citizens, and my blue-eyed cowboy really wanted to join us as owner of a pair of passports. It would be lovely for him to be able to live in England without having to worry about overstaying his welcome, or worse, having to pay huge amounts of money and jump through multiple hoops and fill out hundreds of pages of forms in order to get a settlement visa allowing him to stay. His paper shuffling experience is nothing like my switching of sides, except for one brief moment of panic when I was told by Homeland Security that if I left America to go back to England and look after my mum and didn't return within 12 months... I wouldn't be allowed back, despite the fact that my four children lived there, I paid taxes and owned a house. Once I'd enlisted the support of my governor, within two weeks I was a citizen, and that was that. One fee, albeit a large one, and one fee only. No revoking and no more rules. A blue passport and a red one. Britain is the hardest country to get into, and wears that statement proudly. You'd think being married to a Brit should bear some weight, but oh no, the rounds of questioning, forms to fill out, proofs to provide, borders on the demeaning, and everyone my poor cowboy speaks to has a different set of rules and criteria. This is the way the British bureaucracy seems to operate. No one really knows the full story, so someone at every stop along the way requires a different level of clearance. In his wisdom, and frustration, and because we're on the verge of retiring, so being able to work here has now become a moot point, we don't want to be out of America for umpteen years to satisfy residency laws. My gallant Texan has decided to ditch the whole thing, give up the right to live here unconditionally, and return to being a humble visitor. Isn't that ridiculous? And the two countries are allies. Don't even get me started on all the foreigners that already live here and go to our local and talk their own language across the bar. And over the dartboard. This week, I thought I'd start to talk about reproducing a school atmosphere in your home. A lot of people who have no first-hand knowledge of homeschooling believe that the way to do it would be just that. And for some, it would work perfectly. In fact, my mentor, the well-heeled stranger, did exactly that when her children were younger. She said prayers and sang a hymn before the first class. They had desks and chairs and a blackboard. She had a bell to ring to end the lessons. In fact, the schoolroom looked just like that, a schoolroom. Calvert, the curriculum in a box, helps with this kind of structure, but it can also be used around the kitchen table or on the king-size bed, as it was during its brief habitation at Wildflower Academy. For me... I really didn't want my home to look like a school. I was a rebel. Hudeberg last week said he learned a lot of good things about parenting from his father and some not-so-good things which made him the the ever-present focused dad he is today for his children. My parents were pivotal in the decisions I made regarding family and education and my boarding school rounded everything out with its rules, activities and inflexibility. At 13, my rebellion against all things institutional manifested itself in homeschooling when I got older, obviously, not when I was 13, and I chose not to bring the public school inside my four walls. 
To the onlooker, sightseer or tourist, my convent school, popularly called Thornton by the girls because we didn't want to be mistaken for postulants, was a beautiful manor house. William the Conqueror had sent faithful servants out into his newly acquired land to take inventory of all he had stolen from the English and recorded it painstakingly item for item, acre for acre, in the Doomsday Book of 1066. My six-year attendance there fueled a disdain for rules and structured activities. I was organised and loved schedules that I drew up for myself, but when someone else told me what to do, I balked. Once I left school with all its you-cans and cannots, I set off slowly down the path of a life unplanned. I didn't count the costs, not that I was reckless, but my parents thought I was. When they became old and needed help, I realised that I hadn't really thought my emigration to America through thoroughly. I doubt I would have done anything differently, though, given the opportunity to start again. Although, as you'll hear, when I speak about my Texan struggle with getting a visa to live and work in England, we may have done a few things slightly differently. I'm a fan of living in the moment. I left the careful planning, the fear of failure and the painful weighing of the consequences to my parents. The activities at school that we participated in from dawn to dusk were designed to give the parents value for money. Although every child, when asked what he did at school that day, will answer nothing, the nuns wanted to make sure they could prove that nothing was not part of the convent's schedule. That we did something every moment of the day. In my home school, this was too much for me to orchestrate, and anyway, my children would have none of it. All schools have to be accountable to their funders and trustees, their boards and directors, their local education authorities, but Wildflower Academy was not reporting to any education authority, council or organisation. No powers that be to demand a spreadsheet itemising where all the money was going or tracking exam results or good use of time. There was little money to go anywhere and as far as proof of learning, well, that came much, much later, like today, when I can point to all four of my children and say they're not only working independently in their chosen field, they're happy doing it. Well, looks like it's, we're coming up to a break anyway, it's not quite break time. And um, my guest today, I'm going to introduce my guest before I go, is my youngest child and daughter, Malia McNenny. Malia has been sailing the high seas since August the 1st and has been to 14 countries already. She's a graduated homeschooler, of course, who wanted to be a performer ever since her first appearance on stage during a ballet recital when she was five. Making her dream come true has had its ups and downs, but she's worked hard. From the community college in Texas, which she left with an associates in the arts, to a performance college in London, she was able to maintain her day job as star barista, as well as staying in shape at the nearby Pineapple Studios, where she was able to audition a couple of times a week until this nifty little job came along. Her internet is iffy while she's out on the high seas. Well, actually, when she's on the high seas, she doesn't have internet, uh, unless she wants to pay through the nose for it. But when she gets into a port, she heads off somewhere and gets internet. Um, but last Sunday, she did. She Skyped me from Portugal and said, are we going to record a show? And I said, yes. After the break, you'll be treated to the conversation we had while she was sitting in a busy little cafe, not a McDonald's for a, ch for a, ch for a change, and 
funnily enough, she said that there was a Carl's Jr. in Russia. She went to St. Petersburg and there was a Carl's Jr. She has a picture of herself with it behind her. Funny. And um, if you can understand Portuguese, you may hear someone passing by her table trying to sell her something illegal. Stay tuned and I will be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework. Knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Hello, Malia. Welcome to my show. Hi. Well, tell us where you are. You can tell us where you are right now. Um, Lisboa, Portugal. Lis- yeah. See, I always thought it was Lisbon, but I don't think I'm right. Is that how they're pronouncing it, Lisboa? Yeah. Well, that's how it's spelled, too. Oh, okay. So I would imagine oh. that your Brazilian friends would know that it was pronounced Lisboa. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so obviously you're not with me here in England, so why don't you tell everyone what you're doing in Lisboa, and um, how long you've been doing it? Um, I guess it's been about six weeks mm-hmm. that I've been on a cruise ship dancing Yeah, every night um, and traveling. So during the day, I get to go to all sorts of new countries, and at night I go back on board and I do my dancing thing. Okay, so you're on a cruise ship and you're dancing, and um, it didn't just happen quite like that, did it? Because you came to London with us and you auditioned, and eventually, you know, you got this job. So, so tell us what you had to do to prepare to go on the ship. Um, I was taking class every, almost every day and doing auditions twice a week at least. And then one day I sent... Um, my video to an agent and she called me that same day and offered me this job on a Spanish cruise ship. So that's, the, that's, that's how it show. happened. You, you had to go and, yeah, you had to go, you had to do a special test that, uh, I mean, it wasn't just kind of buy and get on the ship. You had to do other things to get on the ship, right? 
yes, I had to, to have a medical, full medical done. I had to do STCW certificates, which are um, just general to be able to work on a ship. So first aid, you know, sea safety, fire, fireman training. Oh, my goodness, that was insane. Yeah. I remember, um, you, I remember you said you enjoyed it so much that you thought everybody should do it. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should spend the money and go do all that training. It was crazy fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and hopefully you haven't had to use any of your training yet on board. No, I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, but you have drills, don't you? Tell us about the drills and how often you have them. Um, every week when new passengers get on board, we have passenger drill. Mm-hmm. So we just have to stand and put them in lines with children in front, women behind, and then men in the back. And oh, really? They, they put their life vests on, and they all just take pictures and whatever. Yeah. Oh, they take um, so they use it as, a, as an opportunity to take photographs. Yes, and actually I got a picture <laughs> the other day in mine, so I'll send that. Oh, gosh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, so when you first got on the ship, you'd never been on the ship before. You really had no idea what, what you were getting into. Um, what were your first impressions getting on one of these large cruise ships? Um, it wasn't really what I had expected only because I didn't, uh, well, obviously I had imagined the passenger area and not a crew area. Yeah. So the crew area is very different because it's, um, obviously smaller. There's, um, it's, it's a bit dirtier. <laughs> I mean, it's clean, but it's rusty and the paint's kind of chipping and stuff. But I mean, it was kind of like I walked into a prison. Yeah. It was, it's metal floors, metal ceilings, metal walls, you know, and, and the bathrooms are tiny inside of the tiny cabins of two people. And, um, we eat in one well, we eat in the staff mess, which is uh, like a cafeteria with buffet-style food. Um, Everybody always says the sh- food on a ship, a cruise ship, is fantastic. Have you found that? No, um, I don't know if it's our ship or just this chef, but it is no good. Really? And I, I know you've eaten up in the passenger area because you're allowed to go up there, aren't you? Yes, when we're in port, we're allowed up there for half an hour, when they say. Um, and we have pizza or hamburgers and french fries. But, I mean, that's the best that it gets. And is there always food out for the passengers? Um, I believe that the hamburgers and pizza is always out, but I think the buffet, the rest of the, the food, yeah. um, is only at a certain time during the day. Oh, oh. Okay, so what was it like then, adjusting from quite a large bedroom with quite a large bed that you... Oh, sounds like London. Sorry. That's all right. Um, You know, what was it like adjusting from a large room that you had to yourself to your cabin and that narrow little bed that you sleep in? Um, it, I don't feel like it took a lot of, well, it's weird. I don't feel like it took a lot of adjusting, but I guess it did. Um, the bed is very tiny and I'm on the top bunk and I hit my head every time I sit up. Um, the, the cabin is very crammed. I have a tiny, half, half of an Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, 
that was difficult to try and fit all my clothes in there and still make it look like it's organized and I've got drawers and everything is just everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's no, it's not possible to have a certain place for anything because there's no room. Yeah. Yeah. But your cabin, I was lucky enough to go on board and, um, be with Malia for the day and, um, your cabin looks really nice and tidy. There doesn't seem to be stuff all over the place at all. Um, no, because Manu and I are very, very clean. I mean, but if you opened our drawers or the cupboard, it would... (laughs) (laughs) Everything would fall out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So tell me, how many dancers are there on board with you? Um, there are four boys Mm -hmm. and I guess, oh, uh, let's see, Ori, Erica, Manu, Liji. Five other girls. Five other girls. So there's ten total. Ten total. Yeah. And you all dance in all the shows or all the numbers or how does that work? Well, we all dance in all the shows, yes, but not in all the numbers necessarily. Okay. Um, I am in probably the most numbers because the girl that I replaced was, um, I guess... She had seniority because she had been with the company for a long time. So they put her front and center in most things. Mm -hmm. So now that I've replaced her, I'm this new girl that's just just come in and I'm front and center in all these dances. (laughs) So it's very, it's very weird, but it's, I mean, it's, it's good. There's some numbers that I'm not in, Mm -hmm. which is okay. Now, um, because you replaced somebody it means that you went on board not knowing any of the choreography, any of the numbers. You didn't have a chance to go train somewhere with a group before you went on the ship. So tell us how that worked. Um, Well, luckily, uh, another guy was being... (laughs) Luckily. um, Another guy was being kicked off Uh just two days after I got there because he had been drinking too much and they did an alcohol test and they kicked him off. Uh Mm-hmm. So, um, Ori, who is my dance captain, her husband, well, fiance, came mm-hmm. to replace him. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't alone. I, I got to have um, a friend with me while I was learning all the new numbers, mm-hmm. which was better, I think, for me. So when you were learning the numbers, was it just you um, and um, Norby, who is Bori's fiance, or did the whole group have to get together for the rehearsal? No, it was just the three of us, and um, we weren't even learning it in the theater. We had to learn it in a conference room, which was which was good because there was a mirror, but then I would learn a number during the day and then go straight on stage that night to do it oh. and have to be slotted in with everyone else who already had been doing the show for four months, Yeah, you know, and here I come all brand new and everything, and so it was very, very stressful, but yeah. now... Now that I know all of all of the dances and all of the shows, it's it's getting a lot better. Well, good, good. So tell me, um, how often do you do the shows, and what time are the shows? Um, if there, if it's a seven day cruise, we have four shows, and we normally do two in a row. Then we have two days off, and then two two again. Okay. Um, and we have two shows per night. One starts normally at 8.45, mm-hmm. and the second one is at 10.30. Okay. That's late. It is very, very late. We normally don't finish until about midnight, and then we go eat afterward as well. Yeah. So it's very, very long day. Yeah. Well, long evening. Long evening. And so um, 
when you're not dancing, when you're not rehearsing, do you have other duties? I mean, you know, do you have to do stuff? We do have some duties, but literally nothing. I mean, one of them is a pool party. We have to go and dance at the pool party. So that's not, I wouldn't call that a duty, but it is technically. Now, you don't dance in your costume, though. No, we we have to wear our uniform. Oh, okay, okay. Which is terrible, but the other day we actually got into the pool. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, because it was so hot, we all jumped in. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. But um, another duty is disembarkation. Yeah. So every Saturday when the passengers leave, we have to stand there and say adios, adios. Yeah. And so that's the worst duty because you have to stand there for four hours, mm-hmm. say goodbye, Saying goodbye to everyone. <laughs> so rather like the air hostess on the plane, except you've got hundreds more people getting off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me about the language. Obviously, people don't talk a lot of English on there because it's, you said it was a Spanish cruise line. So tell me how you've adjusted to that. Um, my English has definitely gone down. Um, I feel like I speak like a four-year-old. <laughs> Because it's just, they don't understand. If I speak, well, one, I speak too fast. Mm -hmm. Two, I use big words. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've adjusted that way. And I I make a lot more sounds and a lot more facial expressions (laughs) to make them understand me better. But their English is getting a lot better, too. Yeah. Well, do you use your hands a lot as well? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Kind of like charades. Yeah. (laughs) You're trying to explain things to them. Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. You said it makes you think about what you're saying because you have to try and say it in another way because you know they'll never understand. Yes, or they ask ask me a word, what it means, and I, (laughs) oh, I don't know. I use that word all the time, but I don't actually know what it means. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. you You had that sign up when, what is it, when the... When, uh, no, um, tough times don't last, tough people do. Tough people do. And they were having a problem because the word tough has two different meanings in that one. Yes, in the one phrase, and nobody knew what tough meant. And so I just imagine everyone walking past that sign not having a clue. (laughs) And I'm the only one that knows what it means. (laughs) So it was very funny. So have you met the captain? Do you have a special Mm -hmm. time with your passengers when they all meet the captain? Yes, um, gala night, and so we have to wear a really nice, fancy dress, and we stand there and tell passengers where to go. Mm-hmm. And we just literally say, okay, stand here and smile, and that's it. Right, so that's their photo with the captain? No, I, well, yes, well, first they have the photo by themselves, and oh, okay. then they go through into another room where the captain is, and they take a picture there as well. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but yes, I've taken my two photos with the captain now mm-hmm. he's got a very soft face mm-hmm. <laughs> um because he kissed me on the cheek and i leaned in and it was very i don't know why i noticed it was so soft <laughs> it was very soft he's just, anyway, he just had a shave i suppose yeah he's very he's very nice um and so we we uh talk a lot and he likes the fact that i'm the only american on board mm-hmm. and he's He's very friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you said you're the only American on board. You're taller than everybody else. You're yes. the only one with blonde hair. <laughs> yes, I stand out like a sore thumb. You do. So how, what's that like, standing out like that? Do you like it? or? Um, in ways I like it, but in most of the ways I don't like it because the guys, you know, do the dog whistle at me every time I walk down the hallway in my yeah. sweatpants and hat. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like I can't go anywhere without 
someone saying something or whistling at me, and it's just, it's now gotten to a point where it's very annoying. At first it was, ooh, yeah. ooh it's exciting, but now it's, I'm ready for a new blonde to come on board and take over. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, Malia, we've got to go on a short break, but we'll be back just after these few short messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Malia, we've been talking about your life on board the cruise ship. Tell us the name of your cruise ship. Grand Mistral. Okay, and how, how big is it compared? Because I see we see these cruise ships, you know, they come into Galveston, and I saw some in Florida, Disney cruises and that. Tell us about, give us an idea of how big your cruise ship is. Um, I believe the ship itself holds uh, 1,500 passengers. Mm-hmm. So it is actually a very small ship Okay. Um, in comparison to, yeah, say, Disney or Royal Caribbean or whatever. Um and there's about six, I think, 600 crew members. Yeah. And so that's about 500 men, 100 girls. Yeah, really? Yeah. So the, the ratio is terrible. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty small ship. Well, they can't bring their families on board or anything like that. So, I mean, they have to either be single or that's their job, right? Right, yes. Yeah. Um, most people actually do have families back home and they do this for six months and they go home for four and... That's just their life. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are and these are you know housekeeping or um, yeah. bar waiters. You know, so yeah. Yeah. terrible, terrible jobs. You wouldn't want to no. do in in a normal life. Well, you know, it, could, it could be compared to maybe a hotel. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Except so. in a hotel, you'd be in your same city, and so you might be able to go home in the evening to see your family, or at least you know. Yeah. 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 That's true. When you're not on the shift, so yes, that is that is weird that that could be somebody's life. Maybe the pay is better than in a hotel. Who knows? I've heard. I've definitely heard that the pay is very good compared to, I guess, their life back home. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in a harbor. No, you were docked in a port once next to one of the larger cruise ships. Which cruise ship was that? Oh, that was um, Celebrity Cruise. Okay. Um, 
I think it was called Seafarer or something. Uh-huh. Um, but it it made our ship look like an ant. It really? was it was humongous. Yeah, yeah. But Norby said that that normally, I mean, the Costa ships are all that size. Really. Yeah, he said so. It's very dif- different that our ship is that small. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a pool on board. Yes, yes. And then um, you have you talked to me about you told me about your staff pool, the pool that the crew are allowed to, you know, sit around on on that deck. And then yes. when I saw that pool, I nearly burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it is very tiny. But even even the passenger pool is pretty small. Is it? Yeah, I mean, you could. I don't know. As big as our pool at home in the garden or bigger? No, I would say it was about that size. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's just not very big. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's always full. (laughs) So tell me about the people that you're working with. Are you making some good friends that might last or...? It's hard to tell only because they don't speak my language. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Manu, who is my roommate, she only spoke mainly Portuguese before I came, mm-hmm. and now she's she's very good with English. Mm-hmm. Only because in our cabin she has to speak English. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we get along very well, and and um, we always joke and laugh. So I'm not sure if that'll fizzle out when she goes home, only because of the communication barrier yeah um but everyone in the entertainment team is is very good they're all very nice and very friendly and Mm -hmm. most of them speak english a couple of them don't at all and so i always feel like i'm being very rude when i don't speak to somebody Mm -hmm. but i i just can't yeah they can't speak to me either so i suppose you can smile and wink and do all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so who's in who's on the entertainment team then you've got your group of dancers what else do you have um, the musicians mm-hmm. and the singers, mm-hmm. and then animation, the animation team. Yeah, and now they they um, basically are at the fun of the cruise ships. You know, they they do all the activities and they um, you know do bingo and they start the parties and they dress up and they're really funny. You know, mm-hmm. so they're always on. Mm-hmm. They're, they're cra- their energy is crazy. And you said something, you have two other sh- um, acts, acrobats and a magician? Uh, yes, we yes. have, some, yeah, they're also part of entertainment. Okay, and you, you said that they only do their show once a week. Yes. Are those the only two that do their show once a week? Um, there's a guy called Riello, and he is, is the husband of Anushka, who is our cruise director. Mm-hmm. So he now, I don't really know what he came on board doing. I guess he was a comedian. Um, but oh. he now has his own full show. Oh. So he he also only does once a week. But some I never see him, so I think he does other things during the day. But, yeah, the acrobats only have one show, so the rest of the week they do nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the magician as well. So I think that would be terribly boring. Yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to. I was going to say, yeah, um, you, but your singers do multiple shows, oh. and you just musicians do multiple shows. Yeah, they do every night. Musicians do have they? every night until uh, like eight to one thirty. Really? Yeah. So they they work a lot. And so are they doing it in the theatre, or are they just doing it like in the lounges where people are congregating? And um, they don't. 
uh, I don't think they ever do it in the theater. They're always in the lounges or the bars or, okay. you know, the, the other places around. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, when you went on board, I know that you were not going to be able to get internet quite as easily as you can get it at home. <laughs> what, what was that like? Because, it, you know, it meant a lot to you or seemed to. You know, you were always keeping up with your friends and being able to Skype back in England and that. And all of a sudden, stopped. Um, it wasn't too much of a shock for me because I've... I've was so busy. I've been so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's getting a, a little bit to the point where, oh, I wish I could just, you know, check my email or post this picture or, you know, talk to someone back home. But I, I can't. I could. I could pay for internet, which mm-hmm. I did, but it gets expensive. Yeah, it does. Um, but when I was doing rehearsals and stuff, I was just too busy to even think about the internet. You know? So... I don't know. Now, now it makes me want to. <laughs> it's terrible. Makes me want to go off on into the port, you know, and and find internet and do some sightseeing as well. Yeah, well, um, that's that's good doing the sightseeing because you're never going to, you know, have an opportunity like this again. It's <laughs> and be paid for it. Can you imagine how expensive it would be to be visiting all these places that you're visiting? Oh, it would be terribly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm what's, your, that. what's your favorite place? Sorry, so far. Um. Oh, I forget where I've been. I've <laughs> been so okay. many places. Um, that stands out, Russia. I mean, you seem to spend some time there and took some great pictures. You went to see a prison. Yeah, Russia. Yeah, Russia was very good. I can't. I can't even think. I mean, because I liked Bilbao, Spain, but we really didn't go anywhere. No, you know, we just kind of stayed in the port. But it was pretty. Yeah. Um. I, I can't think of anywhere Well, else. and you have a porthole, and so you look out of your porthole every morning, and sometimes yes. you see what? Sometimes I see, oh, the fjords. Sorry, that, that was definitely my favorite place. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Nether- uh, no, uh, Norway. Yeah. Slum. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, sometimes I see gorgeous sights. You know, or, you know, really pretty ocean with mountains in the back. Or I'll see concrete with buses and yeah. cars yeah. and people. Yeah. So either, either you're out at sea or you're in a, in a port. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so when you're sailing, have you ever gone up on, on deck and you just can't see any land at all? I'm sorry, say that again. Have you ever been up on deck and while you're sailing and you don't see any land at all? Yes, actually. Um, almost every time, well, when we have a sea day, which is quite often, mm-hmm. it, we um, will go up on deck and there won't be any land anywhere. Right, so you're way out at sea. How does that make you feel? Um, it's a little weird at first, but now I really like it. It's very peaceful. Yeah. Have you ever been on deck... Um, at night when you're at sea and seeing all the stars? Yes, and but surprisingly enough, you can't see very many stars. Oh. I, I, you know, you can see a couple in the sky, but not not like you would expect to be in the middle of the ocean. You would see every star. But is, is your ship lit up then during the night? It does. It has some twinkly lights and yeah. stuff. It's, it's, not, it's not too bright. But is that somebody selling you something there? Yeah, trying, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
Okay, so as far as your job right now, you're actually being paid to do what you love to do. Would you recommend it as a job to other performers if they just wanted to kind of get a taste for what it's like to get out there on stage? Definitely, but I would recommend um, a cruise ship that speaks their language. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. But, um, you know, I think it's a great experience, and I've, I've had a lot of fun so far. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been too long yet. <laughs> Well, it's been seven weeks, and, and uh, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been seven weeks, so yeah, it's been quite a while. All right, as far as culture goes, um, you know, do, do you find that people have, like, different different habits or different things that they do, different, different things that they eat, maybe, or dress? Um, I don't notice the dressing, really. Um, I do know that Manu any chance she gets she'll eat rice and black beans oh really yeah, yeah but they all have very good table manners which they do. it's not surprising to me but it is I have noticed that everyone has very good table manners so <laughs> they eat with their mouths closed and all that yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's funny that's, oh that's good um, what else? What else? Oh, you have trainers on board. You have to go to training sessions. Now, I would think that that would get old after a while, but it's ongoing, isn't it? Yeah, it is ongoing. But actually, I haven't had a training in a very long time. Oh, you haven't? So, I mean, they just rotate their people, I think, every, you know, every so often. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it just is like a recap of, of things that we learned the first week we were here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that in case of an emergency, we still we still know what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Now, you say you have a uniform. So I was going to ask you, how did you know what to take and how much to take for a nine-month contract? Um, well, I didn't because nobody really told me. Um, so I just guessed what I would need for one week and times nine. Mm-hmm. Um. And, I mean, I was told I needed a dress, a gala dress, and a cocktail dress. But we have white night, mm-hmm. which is actually tonight. Everyone has to wear all white. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. So I came without any white. <laughs> yeah. So I had to go buy that. And I had to buy a hair piece for my show. And so I wasn't really very prepared at all. But I, I didn't know any better. No. no. I had no way of knowing what I needed. Well, and, and for a passenger going on board I mean I couldn't just go on board with what I normally wear I'd have to take certain things the men have to dress up don't they have to wear a suit for dinners sometimes and yes they I think they get a schedule or something before oh, okay. and are told the dress codes because they have to bring a costume for the carnival night and so okay. people bring crazy costumes from home and it's, okay. it's very funny all right so, okay, you're in Lisbon. I've got a calendar next to me so I can tell you where you're going next. Oh, you're going to Morocco tomorrow. Yes, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. well, it, um, you think that um, Lisbon is funny with people coming and trying to sell you stuff. They're going to be selling you, trying to sell you things in the souks, but it'll be clothes and stuff like that. But you might see meat. You might see somebody butchering an animal in the souks. So. Oh. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Be prepared. Take your camera, though. Take lots of pictures. I will, and, definitely. Uh, yeah, you have a lot of fun. You have color. Just quickly tell us about color before you go. 
<coughs> color means <coughs> that if I've got color that day, that I'm not allowed to leave the ship. Okay. Just in case there's an emergency on board. Yeah. And you don't have color during sea days, do you? No, there's no, obviously, because no one can leave. Okay, so it doesn't really ship. rotate through every day. It just It's just the port days, days you're in port. Right. Right, okay. Okay. Yes, yes. All right, well, I'm sure there's loads more that you could be sharing with us and telling us about life on board the Grand Mistral. But unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time, Malia. Thank oh. you so much. And thank goodness the internet was good. So good for, good for uh, Portugal. Yes. And um, you were in a, you're right in the city centre and you're in a little cafe place. Is that where you are? Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and you get off to get internet. Oh, and you said something about something is everywhere. One of your fast food restaurants. Well, McDonald's is everywhere. <laughs> so very often you'll go, you go find a find a McDonald's. You're not in a yeah. McDonald's now, are you? I'm not. No, <laughs> no. no. Okay, good. Okay. Well, you have a wonderful, wonderful day, and you have a wonderful um, experience on your ship. And thank you so much for doing this. And um, I'll talk to you another time. Alrighty. All right. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Dix of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, how was that? My little homeschool girl, all grown up now and working for a living. No one speaks English as their first language on board, as she said, which is a bit of a cultural shock. But I think she sounded positive and happy, and she did say she had a fabulous day in Lisbo. You can find her news from Mistral at boomerang.org, where she writes under Dort's Thoughts. Thanks again, Malia, for taking time to call me and record a show. What a girl. A few hours after chatting to her, though, I'm sad to say that everything pretty much fell apart. She found out her roommate and friend, Manu, who had sprained her ankle a couple of weeks ago, had gone into town to have it x-rayed and was having to leave the ship and return home to Brazil for medical reasons. Of course, with a bad ankle, a dancer can't work. Malia was devastated. Furthermore, instead of having the cabin to herself, Malia was told that she had to move into another cabin with another dancer whom she doesn't get on so well with. Further plummeting of mood. Probably no cheerful porthole either. 
After seven weeks, she's beginning to miss home and she's now saying she may not go beyond her probation period. The ship she's on has been sold and the new parent company is going to pick up her contract, but now she's wondering about whether this sailing life and being so far from home is for her. Things happen so fast, don't they? As you heard, her job isn't too demanding, although two shows a night would wear me out, not to mention the rehearsals and run-throughs. Being away from home is difficult, as we discovered when we went to meet her boat in Dover the other week. Sometimes she'll text me with sunbathing on 7th forward, and I'll text back with and being paid for it. Her days are completely upside down. She doesn't get off work till midnight, then eats, then winds down with her friends in a bar. And let me tell you, they're only allowed one alcoholic drink a day and can't have anything in their cabins. Security is strict and random searches and breathalysers are broken out. As you heard, one of the dancers got let go for drinking, and one of the chefs too. The chef, in fact, fell down the steep metal stairs between the decks and cracked open his head. The ship had just pulled away from dock and a helicopter had, be, had to be dispatched to pick him up for hospital. He was allowed back on board to pack his belongings, but he was a goner. I know if I was a passenger, I'd like to know that all the staff on board were sober. I told you we'd gone to Dover to see Malia and spent the day on her ship. All the passengers had gone off on their short excursion to London and the ship was empty. First stop on board was her cabin where we dropped off the bags of goodies we'd bought her. Food isn't strictly allowed in their cabins, which I find odd. So she had to hide the crackers and biscuits we'd taken along and she said she'll take some of the stuff down to the staff mess. I wonder if coffee and tea bags count as food. There are two cafeterias downstairs. There's the crew mess, which is massive, rather like a gymnasium. This is where the housekeeping, cleaners and non-officer crew eat. Malia says she can eat in there if she wants to, but because the ratio of men to women is five to one, she doesn't go there unless they have a particularly good item on the menu, like watermelon or a plum. I know, my daughter wanting fruit, but she says you have to get there early to get something healthy like that. Big parties are held in the mess and she goes to those with her friends. They had Indian, Indian Independence Day and Brazilian Day. The music was better at the Indian party, she said, so they stayed there longer and danced. There's also a crew bar where they go. They have crew cards with money on them and when she runs out, she has to wait until a specific day to put more money on. The purse is very busy and can't be giving out cash advances on random days every time somebody runs out. She's not allowed to use cash on board. She usually eats in the staff mess, which is a lot smaller, and that's where we went for lunch and then coffee time for the sweet rolls only. They have Nescafe in that mess, but upstairs in the passenger lounges, they have real cappuccinos. We had a couple of those. We walked on the decks, saw the pools, which were empty and covered with netting. The crew pool was tiny and it was deep, but it was about the size of a large kiddie pool around. I would have liked to have seen the passenger cabins and we walked down one of the hallways in the hopes that someone would be cleaning, but they must have finished their housekeeping duties. There was a large spa and gym, which was like a small health club, a casino, a conference room, several lounges where musicians perform every night, a discotheque and reception. We saw the lifeboats up close and the anchors and glimpsed the kitchens. We walked into the laundry room where she has to fight for a washing machine only six for the whole 600-plus crew to use. It's busy all the time. As I said earlier, they don't get to bed until two or three in the morning, sometimes have to be up. 
if it is debarkation day, but otherwise they can sleep until late whenever they want to. So it is a floating upside down world within a world. The countries she's been to so far are Scotland, Norway, Denmark, Estonia, Russia, Finland, Sweden, Holland, Belgium, France, Spain, England, Portugal and Morocco. Imagine how expensive that European would cost would be if you had to pay for it. Hmm. Her first paycheck just went into her account and she was a happy camper. And she said her English is becoming simpler. She warned us when we went to visit in Dover. Speaking louder doesn't mean they'll suddenly understand what you're saying. She has to come up with ingenious ways to express herself. She said she feels she misses out on getting to know the passengers when they work upstairs because no one speaks English. That is a bit of a drawback. However, when we visited, she said, I've not had any arguments with anyone because I don't understand what they're talking about and I'm oblivious if they say something that might offend me or that I don't agree with. She is also having to think about her language in ways she never has before, like the difference in meaning of the word tough, which is difficult and strong. Did you notice she said her roommate's English is getting better because she has to speak English in the cabin? Why English? Why not Portuguese? It's so true. Everyone else wants to learn English. She admitted that because they can't struggle to find English words, she thinks they're stupid. Well, I know what she means. Some of the words her friends come up with amaze her. For example, affirmation, circulation, transparent and succulent. They can't come up with the word for bread, she says, but they describe their peach as succulent. Who taught you, who thought to teach you the word succulent, she asked her roommate once, and the explanation was quite interesting. Those words sound almost the same in Spanish or Portuguese, so they guess in the hopes that she'll understand. One of the girls used the word transparent for the clear sea. Malia said she'd say clear. Malia taught her two new words, jealous and hiccup. <laughs> That's, those are, I think those are quite unusual words, actually. Everyone knows about Avon, too, only they didn't know what she was talking about until she showed them her powder from Avon, and they all went, oh, Avon. Sounds so much better in Spanish or Portuguese or with one of those accents anyway, doesn't it? Roast baby leg was for the dinner that evening. They didn't put in the word lamb, so Malia said she, when she talked to us, she said they just had this big sign up saying roast baby leg. And she imagined still baby's leg being roasted. I asked if she thought the sea air was agreeing with her and she told me she'd found some grey hairs. And on the subject of hair, one of her friends was having her hair coloured in their cabin and they called it painting. <laughs> there are 12 decks on board. Deck 11 is the passenger pool and where the pool parties take place. Deck 7 forward is where the cruel crew paddling pool is. Her cabin is on deck 4 with a porthole for now. The theatre is on deck 5 and they have a television in their cabin and it only has one channel in English and that's BBC News. So now she's all up on, up to date on world news. Well, that's enough, really, of sailing the high seas. She's having a sort of a good time, but we really don't know what her future is going to look like. The weather here has been cooling down a little and getting dark earlier. 
I tell you, about five minutes a day. The other day I looked outside and it was like five to eight and already dark. And then the next day it was ten to eight. And then the next day it was a quarter to eight. And uh, it just kind of gets dark in a rush and then settles down for a bit. Um, it was time to put the radiators on. It's getting a bit chilly in here to take the chill off the flat. So I turned on the heat and nothing happened. That always happens, doesn't it? I've been wondering about the complete silence in the flat lately. Now I know why. Something was wrong with the gas boiler. We called the repairman and it took him a couple of days to get here, but he got here in the end. We had to wrap up a bit while we waited. He checked all the radiators. He said that there was air in all the radiators and he got it working again. And then we went away for a day to go see Malia in Dover. And we came back and the heat wasn't on and it was cold. And then we turned on the water and there was no hot water either. So we called and out came the repairman again. And I told him I'd heard this loud sound of metal clanging as if someone was inside all of my pipes with a sledgehammer. And he said, air in the pipes. I mean, how can that be air in the pipes makes so much noise? Anyway, all fixed now. He replaced some impressive looking gadgets and checked everything again to his satisfaction and then went on his merry little way. It's now lovely and warm again inside and the sun is shining, although it's cold. But there is definitely evidence that summer is over and autumn is well and truly on the way. And it's time for me to go. We are working a show at the theatre around the corner on Monday. And this weekend we may go and take a little trip down the river. I don't know yet what what the plan is. Um, we're starting to clear out obscure cupboards just to make sure that they really are empty. And we don't leave anything behind. And without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Malia McNinney. Thank you so much, Malia. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Number 6, verses 24 to 26. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.